Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. If you're new with us, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. So today we're starting a brand new series called Tug of War. And this series is about something that all of us engage in, like multiple times in a day, uh, multiple relationships that we're in. We all engage tug of war. We engage tug of war in our marriages. We engage tug of war with our kids. We engage tug of war with our parents. We engage tug of war at work, at school, everywhere. We engage tug of war between what we want to do and what somebody else wants us to do. And one of the biggest areas that we play tug of war with in that relationship is in our relationship with God. So in our relationship with God, we like to play tug of war with him. We like to get into this this tug of war engagement between his will and our will. If you're a Christ follower, um, just by a show of hands, how many of you have noticed that God has a will for you and it doesn't always align with yours? Okay, that's most of us. Um, You should notice that, that, hey, there are things that God wants us to do, and we go, like, I don't really want to do that. And so we engage a tug-of-war battle with him. If you aren't a Christ follower, you've probably had fun watching your Christian friends or Christian family members or Christian coworkers engage the tug-of-war battle between what God wants them to do and what they want to do. And in those moments, that's probably when you snicker to yourself and say, bunch of hypocrites, because you're not doing what God wants you to do. And the reality is for all of us as Christ followers, yes, there are moments that we're all hypocrites. Why? Because we play tug of war with God. There's stuff that God wants us to do and stuff that we want to do, and those things don't always align. Here's some examples of that. Sometimes when we are in a dating relationship or wanting to be in a dating relationship, Sometimes we say, you know what, God's standards for dating are kind of old fashioned. They're not all that fun. You know, God's going to keep me from dating somebody that I think is fun and, and, and going to keep us from doing things that are fun. So, you know what, God, I'm going to engage tug of war with you and I'm going to win this one because I don't want to date the type of people that you want me to date. And it's not till later when we start experiencing the pain of that decision that we go, you know what? I wish I would have. I wish I wouldn't have. I wish I would have never dated that person. I mean, like that led to some real pain. I got to try this over again. Like, can anybody relate to a bad dating experience? Yeah, hopefully they're not with you this morning. Um, But if they are, here you are in tug of war. Um, Sometimes God comes along and, and says, not sometimes, but God always says this. He says, listen, I want you to forgive people who hurt you as Christ followers. And that's a tough one for us. As we go, God, you don't know what that person did to me. And so we start grabbing onto the rope a little bit harder and and, kind of hunkering down, you know, getting into that anchor position. God, I'm not going to give in over this one. I mean, that person really hurt me deeply. And like, you don't understand the the scars, the pain that that they've caused in my life. And so I don't know that I'm going to do that. And when we win that tug of war, leads to bitterness and unforgiveness that actually sends us to an early grave if we don't allow God to, to win that one. There's many ways that we engage a tug of war with God. And the, the funny thing to me is that God lets us engage tug of, tug of war with him. I don't know if that's funny to any of you, 
But just imagine if we were to bring one of your kids from our tide pool area out here, you know, our, t- our toddlers, if we were to bring one of our toddlers out here this morning and, and set them up against me and, and we were to play tug of war, you know, who are you putting your money on? If you say the kid, like, I'm like really sad and deeply offended, but I'm supposed to forgive you, so I will. So like we would hopefully think that the adult would win, right? The adult should win the tug of war with the kid. And, and so we kind of get that idea, you know, God playing tug of war with us, could God win? Easily, easily. God could force us to do exactly what he wants us to do, but our God doesn't do that. That's not our God. Our God is a gentleman. Our God will never force anybody to do anything that they haven't chosen to do. So he gives us this thing that we love and we hate. It's called free will. And with that free will, we play tug of war with God. We say, God, there are moments I don't really want to do what you want me to do. There are other moments that I do. And so we love our free will when it leads us to do a good thing and it leads to a great, uh, great result in our lives. We also love it momentarily when it gives us power and control. And we don't like it when it leads to a painful consequence. So it's just still amazing to me that God even lets us engage tug of war with him. And in my years of playing tug of war with God, I have prayed prayers like this. I've gotten to, to where I'm in this constant battle back and forth, and there's moments I've realized, you know what? Like, I have won too many times in this area, and it's always led to a bad thing. It's always led to a painful thing. And God, like, okay, like, I'm going to let you win this one. So I've prayed prayers like this in those moments. God, would you just tell me what to do? Make it clear. Write it in the sky. When I'm at the beach, have the plane come by that, you know, that, like, that is carrying the sign. Trent, this is what I want you to do. Like, just send me a sign. Anybody prayed prayers like that? Anybody praying a prayer like that right now? Maybe a few of us that say, you know what, I need to know. And here's what I've learned about me when I'm praying prayers like that. It's usually when I'm in crisis mode. And the crisis mode is, God, I need to know yesterday what I need to do. This situation, uh, this opportunity, uh, this relationship that I've got to deal with, like, I need to know what decision I need to make, so tell me quickly. And I like to wait at least 10 seconds, sometimes 15, you know, if I'm feeling generous. And if God doesn't speak in those moments, then there's, there's a temptation of me to go, okay, God, if you're not going to speak right when I want you to speak, okay, then I'm just going to, you know, yank on the rope and I'm going to do it my way. And there are moments that God does speak. And I say, God, do you have any other options? You know, like I, I, like I wasn't really excited about that one. Thank you for the, uh, the option. I'll consider it. Um, but you know what? Your idea gives me an idea. So how about this idea? And again, I go right back into my tug of war with God. I think we can all relate to that. Now, it is super important for us to learn how to trust our God. It's super important to understand his heart for us. It's super important for us to learn not to play tug of war in our relationship with him. So I want you to listen to a verse out of the Old Testament part of the Bible. And you may know this verse if you're familiar with uh, the Old Testament part at all. But if you're not, listen to this amazing verse. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. And actually, let's all say this out loud together, okay? 
So on the count of three, let's all start. So one, two, three. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That's an amazing verse. There are some people that that have made that their life verse. And I say, that is my verse. I'm going to remember forever to know that God has a plan for me. So that verse tells us God has a plan for, for all of us. And it's a good plan. But do you believe that? Do you believe God has a good plan for you? Do you believe that God has a good plan in that health crisis that you're in? Do you believe that God has a good plan in that relationship that you're involved in? Do you believe that God has a good plan in that relationship that you probably should get out of? Do you believe that God has a good plan in your finances? Students, you're about to head off to school. Do you believe God has a good plan for you this year as you go to school? Do you believe that God has a good plan for your life? There are moments that I believe that. And then there are other moments that I don't. And when I don't believe that, I engage tug of war with God. But here's here's why this is so important. Here's why it's so important for us to understand and believe deeply that God has a good and perfect plan for our lives. If we don't, if we don't believe that, if we, if we don't learn to trust God and stop playing tug of war with him, then we will give in to what we're calling in this series a shadow mission. And I know it's a new concept. It's really what I want to talk about in this series, but it's not a new thing. Shadow mission has been around for a very long time. So let me explain what shadow mission means. A shadow mission is a lesser mission. It's a mission that distracts us from our relationship with God and his true mission for our lives, his good and perfect plan. So it's a shadow mission. And sometimes that shadow mission is dark and selfish and evil. Other times that shadow mission looks kind of virtuous and it looks like it could be God's plan, but it really isn't. And so it's so important for us to learn how to discern God's true mission for all of us and what a shadow mission is and to keep us out of that tug of war in our relationship with God. So again, a shadow mission is just a lesser mission that pulls us away, distracts us from God's true mission, and it keeps us from God's true mission in our lives. Now listen to Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one, verse one. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if you've ever wondered, like what was before the beginning? That verse tells us, in the beginning, God. So before there was a beginning, there was a God and that God created the heavens and the earth. And chapter one goes on to tell us all the other things that God created. Then in chapter two, it says this in verse seven, it says, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. Then in verse 18, God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. And all the women said, amen, Amen. hallelujah, praise God. All the guys said, Hallelujah. Yeah. Could you imagine a world with just us? I mean, 
Planet of the Apes, like that's where the movie would get, got the idea from, a world with just men. That'd be scary. So God created women. And we are so grateful. In verse 21, it says, God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God did the first surgery. He took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. And after he brought her to the man, God did the second surgery because Adam's jaw dropped and like hit the ground. He was like, you gotta be kidding me. And God put it back in place for him. After that, God gave them their primary mission in life. So listen to this, chapter one, verse 28. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So right after giving Adam and Eve life, God gave them a mission. And he gave us a mission as well. And here's our mission. God's mission for all of us is to obey him and take care of our world. Obey him and take care of everyone and everything in our world. That's Adam and Eve's mission. That was their mission. That's our mission today. God only had one rule related to this mission, and it was this. So he said in chapter two, as you take care of this world, you can eat the fruit from any tree I've created except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you will die. Here comes our shadow mission. Chapter three, verse one. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were opened to their shadow mission. So our mission in life is to obey God and take care of everything in the world. Our shadow mission is to be God, is to be our own God. If you think about it, we're all tempted with that. None of us like to be told what to do. None of us like God telling us what to do. None of us want God telling us what we can and can't eat, who we can and can't date, what we can do with our finances. We don't like that. I mean, who does God think he is? God? So we struggle with tug of war and this thing called our shadow mission. And if you look back through the Bible, you see shadow mission is found all throughout the Bible. Abraham and Sarah gave in to the shadow mission when God promised them a son. And when God didn't give them a son, when they wanted that son, they came up with another plan. It was a shadow mission. It was a mission to distract them away from the true mission that God had for them. It involved another woman. It involved another child. 
And we're still dealing with consequences today from their decision to engage a shadow mission instead of embracing God's true mission. King Solomon, the third king of the nation of Israel, uh, was a, a man who was given wisdom by God. And God came to him and said, listen, ask anything and I'll give it to you. And he said, give me wisdom. I don't know how to lead your people. And God was so proud of him for that. He gave him wisdom. And what Solomon did later, he started to disobey God and give in to the shadow mission of being his own God. He started marrying women from other cultures, other countries. And God said, don't do that because they'll lead you away from me. And they did. And he went far away from God. He tried to hold on to his relationship with him, but he started worshiping other gods and ended up seeing his nation torn in two. We see shadow mission all throughout the Bible, and we can all be tempted with that. Even Jesus was tempted with that. And we'll watch in a few weeks how Jesus did not give in to a shadow mission. Now, I want to tell you how I have battled a shadow mission in my life. And so I'm about to tell you a little bit of my depravity. So um, let's just keep this between us, okay? So back in college, um, I had made what I thought was a pretty serious decision uh, to follow Jesus. And I had uh, previously made, when I was younger, a decision to, to put my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I went up and down in this roller coaster uh, ride with God, playing tug of war with him all the time over what I want to do, what he wants to do, wants me to do. And so I got into college and I made this decision where like, I'm tired of living this lukewarm Christian life. I'm tired of it. Like, I want to be all in. I want to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Like, I'm going to be all in. And so I wrote in my Bible this. I wrote, God, I pledge my full allegiance to you. I have found that I cannot live my life as a mediocre Christian. My greatest heart's desire is to know you completely. I have chosen this day whom I will serve. That's Jesus Christ. Dated July 22nd, 1990. I was so serious about that decision, I marked it in blood my blood. Now, don't freak out or anything, because I'm like averse to pain. So I didn't cut myself. I got a, a needle. And I thought, you know what? Like, I'm so serious. I'm going to put like a few drops of my blood on this, this thing so I can show God how serious I am. And God, like when I poke my finger, if I die because this thing wasn't clean enough and this gets infected, like, okay, I'm coming to heaven. You know, you'll know how serious I am. So I, I, you know, in the moment, I'm like, okay, here we go. Oh, and I'm squeezing. like, okay, no blood's coming out. I didn't break the skin. All right, one more time. Oh, and I squeeze it. Okay, great, I got some. I thought I was serious. And I told God, listen, I'll do anything. I'll be a successful businessman for you. I'll be a millionaire for you. And I'll, I'll use that platform to tell people about you. You make me a millionaire and everybody is going to hear about Jesus because of me. Just don't ask me to be a missionary or a pastor. I ran from being a pastor for many years in my life. I played tug of war with God on that one. I'm like, God, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. And here's one of the reasons why I didn't want to do that. One of the reasons was I didn't think being a pastor was a very prestigious job. 
I grew up in the church world. And um, as I've said on a number of occasions here, I saw church as the place of leftovers. Uh, the real stuff happened in the marketplace. It happened all week long when we, we would give our best time, talents, and resources to whatever was going on out in the marketplace. And then on Sunday, if you had anything left over, you gave it to God, and God would probably be happy with that. And I looked at that growing up, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. And I saw being a pastor as that's not the job that I want. It's not very prestigious. I wanted a job where people would think I was important. And so there was a season of my life that I defined that as being a psychiatrist. There's a few snickers that you can laugh. It's really okay. If you're a psychiatrist, no offense. Um, but I worked in the counseling field at the time. And so I worked with a lot of doctors and psychiatrists and nurses and therapists and case managers. So that was the world I was living in. And what I watched in that world was everybody bowed down to the psychiatrist. Whatever the psychiatrist said, everybody did. I saw their, their control, their power, their influence over people. And there was a part of me that said, I want some of that. I want people to think I'm that important. I want people to kind of bow down and worship what I think we should do. So I started pursuing that. And I was super excited. I pursued it with a passion. Like, I, I think I know what God wants me to do now. I went home and told Tammy. She was like, what? For real? I'm like, yeah. She's like, okay. So I got started. And when I got started, I got so restless. I couldn't sleep at night. I couldn't eat. For weeks, I couldn't understand it. I'm like, what is this? I feel like, God, you, you've, you've told me this thing that you want me to do. I'm super excited about it. I want to do it. And yet, like, I'm a wreck. And I decided to stop doing that, to stop pursuing that. And when I did, I had perfect peace. And I felt like God whispered, go finish your counseling degree. And that's what God used to lead me towards ministry. Now, in hindsight, I look back at that. I am so grateful that God stopped me from becoming a psychiatrist. Nothing wrong with being a psychiatrist. So if you're a psychiatrist here, we're grateful that you're here. I probably need to make an appointment with you later. <laughs> Nothing wrong with being a psychiatrist. What was wrong for me was it was gonna feed my shadow mission. It was gonna feed my ego, my pride, my selfishness, stuff that no one would really see. No one would really know. I could hide that. I could keep that just to myself. I'm so glad God kept me from that because God had a bigger plan. God had a bigger purpose. God had something bigger for me. And if I would have given into that, I would have missed out. And I, I, honestly, I shudder to think the man that I would be today if I would have gone down that path. I'm so grateful that God guided me, God stopped me, that God it, it was working in my life. And I'm so grateful that I was listening in that moment. Now, here's another reason why it's so important for us to, to really learn to trust God and really learn to listen to him on the journey. Shadow missions come with very painful consequences. Gal uh, not Galatians, Genesis 3.8 says this. It says, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? I love that. 
Do you think God didn't know? Oh, he knew. He was asking, Adam, do you know where you are? Like, you need to look at your own life and see, do you understand what you've done? Adam replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? This is a pivotal moment for Adam. This is a moment where he can take responsibility for giving into a shadow mission. But in verse 12, he says, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. So he blamed Eve and he blamed God. And then God confronted Eve and she blamed the serpent. We play this really interesting game called hide and blame when we're caught in a shadow mission. We try to point at other people. It's their fault. It's, it's, it's your fault. I wouldn't have if you wouldn't. And, and we even include God in that. And then came their consequences. God said to Eve, you know what? Giving birth is not going to be fun anymore. Ladies who have had children, can you attest to that? Okay, my wife has given birth to our four kids. I've been there for each one. And I would say as an outsider... I don't think it's all that fun. So we see the consequences of that still today. God also said, there's going to be conflict between you and your husband. There's going to be conflict between women and men because of you giving into that shadow mission. So you think about all the gender conflict that's happened around the world. It goes back to Adam and Eve and their decision. God said to Adam, you're going to spend the rest of your life scratching a living from this earth. And those moments that you think, you know what? Like, work is hard. There's a piece of that that comes from the consequences. Then because they were ashamed of their nakedness, in verse 21, it tells us that God killed some animals to give them clothing. So there were innocent animals who gave their lives because of the choice that Adam and Eve made. There are innocent people in our lives who suffer because of the decisions that we make. There are innocent people in our lives right now suffering because we have engaged a shadow mission. We have won a tug of war in our relationship with God. So I just want you to think for a moment. Is there any of that going on in your world right now? Is there any suffering that's happening for someone else or for you because you've given in to a shadow mission? because you've won tug of war with God. You can stop that suffering. You're the only one who can. You can stop that, but you've got to admit like, hey, I have been battling God. I've been playing tug of war with him and I've given in to a shadow mission. Instead of obeying God, I'm trying to be God in this area. So we've got to admit that. Then we have to identify how are we doing that? So I want you to think about that for just a few minutes. How are you being tempted to be God instead of obey God in your life? So maybe at work, maybe in your work environment, maybe you're a boss or maybe you're a supervisor or manager of some sort and maybe you have people that report to you and maybe secretly you like that. Because it gives you some power, some control. You like what, what you have. 
You like that they have to come to you. You like that they look to you. You like the influence that you have. And maybe you're misusing the position you've been given. And you're not obeying God. You're not taking care of those people that God has entrusted to you. Maybe there's something that you're involved in 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 your life, a a decision that you've made that you know doesn't quite honor God, and God said, listen, I don't want you doing this. This is not the best possible way for you to live. And maybe you have won that tug of war and said, listen, I'm giving in to this shadow mission because I want to be God. Is that happening? And are there some painful consequences happening? Maybe with your finances, You know, one of the areas I've battled significantly in my relationship with God is over finances, where God comes along and says, listen, here's how I want you to operate your finances as a Christ follower. Trent, you said you want to be a fully devoted follower of mine. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to give, I want you to save, and I want you to live. There have been many times I've come around and I've, like, mixed all that up. Said, I'd rather live and live and then, you know, give a little and save sometimes. And that also leads to some painful consequences that I've experienced in my life. How might you be tempted to be God instead of obeying God? Now, I know that that's a, like a new thought. This whole concept of shadow mission is kind of a new thing. So I know it's, it's going to take some time to really process through. So what I encourage you to do is begin a conversation with God today that will last not just through this series, but last the rest of your life. That's a question we constantly need to be asking God. God, where am I trying to be you instead of obey you in my life? Is there a situation right now, it doesn't matter what season of of life that you're in, doesn't matter how long you've had a relationship with God, at any point in our relationship with God, we can find ourselves in another tug of war and we're trying to win that because we're trying to give in to the shadow mission because we wanna be God instead of obeying God. So we've gotta learn how to ask that question on a regular basis. We've gotta learn how to listen to God as he speaks. So begin that conversation today. In just a second, our worship team's gonna come out and they're gonna guide us in in just a short portion of, of a song And I encourage you to begin that conversation and listen, really listen to what God has to say to you. Next week, we're going to talk about what shadow missions can look like in some of our most important relationships. Uh, So I hope you'll come back for that. Let's pray together. Lord, this subject of tug of war is a a big subject that we all engage. Lord, we all play tug of war with you Uh, in many different areas, in many different relationships, in many different subjects. Lord, uh, you have a will, you have a plan, and we have a plan. And God, it's only when we learn to embrace your true mission for us. It's only when we learn to really obey you and that our mission in life is to take care of everyone and everything that you've placed in our sphere of influence. It's only then that we truly understand what it means to to be in a close relationship with you and live the way you designed us to live. So God, we've introduced this new subject of shadow mission and Uh, We've got to take some time to process through that and what it looks like in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray today as we begin the conversation, you'll speak loudly to us, that we'll listen, that we'll see some things, and we'll begin to make some adjustments in our life, in our relationship with you, in our relationships with people around us. 
So God, I pray that you would speak powerfully today and throughout this series. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.